0: boasts a proud heritage, except in one glaring area. Human rights, as expressed through religious liberty. There are those who say that their rights, both human and religious, have been anything but honored. Lincoln Steed of Liberty Magazine is with us today to talk about one such a group of citizens who, if you stop and think about it, have a very good case. Lincoln, the time is yours.
1: Thank you. And to perhaps come in more softly and not offend mostly American listeners, let me give you an example to lead into this from New Zealand. I noticed New Zealand is an interesting place. The Maoris were the original inhabitants, and uh, when the English arrived, they found the Maoris were quite well-organized, quite warlike, and it wasn't an easy pushover, and they had some pitch battles, and in the end they had to sign a peace treaty where both sides got what they wanted, basically, which was coexistence. And so New Zealand has not had a rough history of an overlordship or anything like that. But I was interested the other day, given that history, that in the New Zealand Parliament, news was made where one of the Maori members of Parliament, an interesting-looking guy with tattoos on his face.
0: Yes, I saw that picture. He
1: was uh, disciplined by the Speaker of the House because he would not wear a tie, right. which is required. And instead he wore a Maori pendant of one of their uh, iconic figures, hanging around his neck and an unbuttoned collar, and he said he was not going to wear a tie because, to him, it was a noose of colonialism around his neck.
0: (laughs) my, yes.
1: And what was interesting in New Zealand, they were in the process of changing the dress rules to accommodate that. So it was no constitutional crisis, but it was an interesting sort of a blowback from the past about whole peoples can feel sort of put upon by progress that perhaps the white population even then and certainly even now might think well this is just progress they should get with the program but there are deep sensibilities recently i bought a book that i may have even mentioned before on this program great speeches by native americans Mm -hmm. and i want to share a bit of a couple of speeches because i came from australia where i grew up and i was always fascinated by the american westerns and You know, they're sort of kabuki theatre type things. They're not to be taken realistically. My wife loves to watch a TV channel that's in her area that just shows non-stop Westerns, no ads, nothing. (laughs) And there's not much blood or or real harm done because it's sort of charades. You know, Indians go down pretty easy and fire a few harmless arrows at people and that's sort of it. But the reality is quite sad that, yes, once the Western settlers came, With disease and displacement, it was sort of inevitable that the peoples living here would either disappear or have to adapt. What's very unfortunate is that many settlers and the forces that accompanied them were uncompromising and looked at the Indians as less than human. Mm -hmm. And at different times, I think in President Andrew Jackson's era, that's particularly when they decided to just essentially exterminate the Indians. The military was sent out, and some of the most poignant stories of the Indian Wars are of whole Indian tribes fighting as they went, desperately trying to get across the border into Canada and get relief from military harassment. Mm-hmm. it isn 't just as simple as that settlers came on their land, and they might have taken a few cows, and therefore they were outlaws. No, there was overt efforts to deal with them all of that is what it is it 's very sad it 's not quite ended. And even in my lifetime, I remember, isn't it the book, Bury My Heart? It Wounded Me." Uh, Russell Means, who yeah. died fairly recently. you mm-hmm. know, There was an effort by some Indian activists to sort of get up on their haunches and reclaim something for their Indian heritage, which was a, a good intention, badly done at mm-hmm. the time, mm-hmm. because we have to live within the laws, clearly. But uh, they wanted respect, I think, which has not always been given. Let me read here something that puts a religious spin to some of what went on. There was a speech given by a Duwamish chief called Seattle, which I think has been anglicized to Seattle. Mm -hmm. Seems like there's a city there. Yes, there is. (laughs) And it says this speech was attributed to him, and he lived from 1788 to 1866, and it was rewritten and passed around so it's hard to know if every word is exactly as he gave it but it's it's been around for a long time and it's not just attributed to him it, he clearly gave the speech and this is what he said this whole book is full of speeches of this sort of a, a mood he said "Yonder sky has wept tears of compassion on our fathers for centuries untold and which to us looks eternal but it may change Today it is fair, tomorrow it may be overcast with clouds. My words are like the stars that never set. What Seattle says the great chief Washington can rely upon, with as much certainty as our pale-faced brothers can rely upon the return of the seasons. The son of the white chief says his father sends us greetings of friendship and goodwill. This is kind, for we know he has little need of our friendship in return, because his people are many. They are like the grass that covers the vast prairies, while my people are few and resemble the scattering trees of a storm-swept plain. The great, and I presume also good, white chief sends us word that he wants to buy our lands, but is willing to allow us to reserve enough to live on comfortably. This indeed appears generous, for the red man no longer has rights that he need respect. And the offer may be wise also, for we are no longer in need of a great country. Incredible irony in this. Mm -hmm. There was a time when our people covered the whole land as the waves of a wind-ruffled sea cover its shell-paved shore. But that time has long since passed away, with the greatness of tribes almost forgotten. I will not mourn over our untimely decay, nor reproach my pale-faced brothers with hastening it, for we too may have been somewhat to blame. When our young men grow angry at some real or imaginary wrong and disfigure their faces with black paint, their hearts also are disfigured and turned black. And then their cruelty is relentless and knows no bounds, and our old men are not able to restrain them. But let us hope that hostilities between the red man and his pale-faced brothers may never return. We would have everything to lose and nothing to gain." True it is that revenge with our young braves is considered gain, even at the cost of their own lives. But old men who stay at home in times of war and old women who have sons to lose know better. Our great father Washington, for I presume he is now our father as well as yours, since George has moved his boundaries to the north. Our great and good father, I say, sends my word by his son, who no doubt is a great chief among his people, that if we do as he desires, he will protect us. His brave armies will be to us as a bristling wall of strength, and his great ships of war will fill our harbors so that our ancient enemies far to the northward, the uh, simsiams and the hiders, will no longer frighten their women and old men. Then he will be our father and we will be his children. But can this ever be? Your God loves your people and hates mine. He folds his strong arms lovingly around the white man and leads him as a father leads his infant son. But he has forsaken his red children. He makes your people wax strong every day, and soon they will fill the land while our people are ebbing away like a fast receding tide that will never flow again. The white man's God cannot love his red children, or he would protect them. They seem to be orphans and can look nowhere for help. How then can we become brothers? How can your father become our father and bring us prosperity and awaken in us dreams of returning greatness? Your God seems to us to be partial. He came to the white man. We never saw him, never, ever heard his voice. He gave the white man laws, but he sent no word for his red children, whose teeming millions filled this vast continent as the stars fill the firmament. No, we are from different races and must ever remain so. There is little in common between us. The ashes of our ancestors are sacred, and their final resting place is hallowed ground while you wander away from the tombs of your fathers seemingly without regret. Your religion was written on tables of stone by the iron figures of an angry God, lest you might forget it. The red man could never remember nor comprehend it. Our religion is the tradition of our ancestors, the dreams of our old men, given to them by the great spirit and the visions of our saccams, and it is written in the hearts of our people. Your dead cease to love you and the homes of their nativity as soon as they pass the portals of the tomb. They wander far off beyond the stars, are soon forgotten and never return. Our dead never forget the beautiful world that gave them being. They still love its winding rivers, its great mountains and its sequestered vales, And they ever yearn in tenderest affection over the lonely hearted living and often return to visit and comfort them. Day and night cannot dwell together. The red man has ever fled the approach of the white man as the changing mists on the mountain flee before the blazing morning sun. I could go on and on, but oh my. it's interesting.
0: That is heart—that is heartbreaking, Lincoln. That is heartbreaking.
1: Right. I'm not about to turn to worshipping the great spirit, <laughs> whoever he may be, because I believe at root, it's the creator God, right? Yes. yes. But I think that sort of could be a reproach to all those Christian nationalists and others that think to be an American is to be a Christian and to be a Christian is to be a superior being. I don't think the Anglo settlers were morally superior to that worldview. Yes, if the gospel of Jesus was with them, they had something beyond price, but they were not executing it correctly to those people who clearly understood certain moral imperatives.
0: I'm just glad that that chief understood and identified the God of the white man as your God. He was able to take the God of both of those nations and separate them, because we talked about that in an earlier show, that everybody has a different God. Well, he was able to identify that's your God, that's not our God.
1: But somehow in this day and age, we've got to do what even the Israelites had trouble with, Remember, when they came into Canaan, there were plenty of gods, but they were regional gods, gods of of a region or of a tribe. And God, as he presented himself to Moses and others, he tried to give them the idea that he was the God, the only God, the God of of all creation. And the speech I just read, I I think, shows an incredible lack by the, uh, quote, Christian incursions into a new and empty land. They brought religion with them. Not as quite as viciously as the Spanish did down south, but not much better, yeah. and they failed mostly to represent their religion and their God as a God that could embrace the best of what those isolated inhabitants of this new land had had. Uh, they were searching for that "I am yeah. in that speech. you can see that they were actually open to yes. seeing yes. Yes. Jesus as the representative of the Creator God as filling the The same needs that the dead had with the great spirit and and their ancestors which you know i don't believe that the dead live but the memory of them clearly was energizing that society we don't even wait for them to die we have a society that doesn't even respect
0: the old let alone the dead (laughs) absolutely absolutely
1: and there's something to be said for respecting the past respecting the norms respecting the authority of the elders and respecting the authority of the heavens the, the moral imperative that is given to all men.
0: If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258. Or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at the same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today.